And I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. And if I've not seen you this week, I uh, just want to say appreciate you being here and appreciate Pastor Tyler allowing me to come. You have a great pastor here, seriously, a wonderful staff. And, uh, uh, I, and I'm not just saying that uh, we get to be in a lot of churches and uh, you are very blessed here, very fortunate. I wish I could preach as good as your pastor when I was his age. And uh, seriously, he does a great job. You are fed every week uh, with the word of God and you don't take that for granted. Uh, seriously, uh, you can get used to things and uh, you get used to voices and things and styles and go, Neh. you know, and uh, so I always challenge people, go on vacation, visit another church. You'll want to come home. Yeah, I want our people to go on vacation. Amen. Please go. You know, then they're like, oh, finally, I want to come back home. Uh, so you're very blessed. And uh, what a great week. I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of it. I don't take that lightly. Uh, missions is the right arm of the church. It's what it's all about. You know, this isn't a club. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, I'm part of the Fellowship Baptist Church Club. Uh, you, you don't get bonus points for that. It's not a club. Uh, th- we're here to worship God. Uh, we're here to see people saved and you get baptized and discipled. And then you repeat that here and uh, are you ready? Around the world. That's why you're here until Jesus comes back. You got a purpose every single week. And you, yes, you get edified and encouraged and you get to serve and all these things as part of the Christian package. Uh, but don't take that for granted, seriously. And if you don't have a church home, I would encourage this would be the place. This is where you want to get involved in. Uh, every believer should be a part of a church. It's that simple. So Mark chapter 2 today, as we're looking at this excited this morning, Mark, one of my favorite passages and Mark chapter 2. Now I'm going to back you up just a little bit. Uh, one of my favorite times of the year, bar none, I love Christmas. We have any fellow Christmateers here? Yeah, amen. Yeah, uh, I love Christmas. Uh, of course, the birth of Jesus. I love the music. I love the Hallmark shows. Where's he at? Yeah, yeah, where's Brother Tice? That's right. And you left a couple things out. You know, the misunderstanding and then the almost kiss. Every one of them. It's right there. And somebody comes in they're like, oh, excuse me. Uh, you know, and like, hey, they're going to get together. OK, it's going to work. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's all there, man. I'm telling you right now. But uh, we do. And uh, so we do all that. I love the lights, taking the granddaughter to the lights and everything. And so I mean, it's great. I love the food. Oh, man. Yeah, you don't lose weight at Christmas. You gain it. Amen. I mean, it's great. The cookie. I mean, everything about it. And in that, of course, you've got the Christmas movies. And uh, probably the most classic one of all time is It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, has anybody not seen It's a Wonderful Life because you're wicked? Just to... I don't know if we can go on. You have never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Miss Katie. You failed. No, you failed. Okay, that's it. Tonight's message, we don't have one. We're watching It's a Wonderful Life at Fellowship Baptist Church. Six o'clock, that's what we're doing, man. Amen, that's right, that's right. Wow, I'm going to abbreviate it. Some of you fill it in for the pastor, okay? This is just shocking. I don't even know if I can go on. It's a Wonderful Life, the base of the story, George Bailey, if I have his name right. (laughs) But uh, he's in this small little town, and and of course, he's uh, running this place that helps people, you know, with finances and stuff and keep their homes and fighting against the big guy, the big bank in town. And, and uh, so the whole story is about that happening. And finally, you kind of come 
closer to the middle of the story and there's a, there's a mistake and some money is stolen, all that kind of fun stuff. And George Bailey doesn't know what to do and he's about to lose everything. So everything he's worked for is just falling apart. And so he goes on this journey and he wants to just take his life because he feels like his wife will get more money from the insurance if he's, in other words, better dead than alive. Amen. And so he's got that thought process and then an angel comes up. And this angel begins to talk to him and he shows him his life, what it would have been like if he was never born. And they go through this journey and again, it's really good. It's a wonderful story. (sighs) Beautiful. But you get to the end and he comes back and he finally decided, hey, my life made a difference. No, my life made an impact more than he ever realized. And he says, I'm going to come back home and we'll just make it work the best we can. But when he gets back home, I love the end of the movie and all these people start showing up and people are bringing, you know, their piggy banks and cans of money and they're bringing it in and they're like, hey, you helped me in a tough time and here, take this money. And another person, yeah, you helped me take this money. And I mean, police officers and firemen and people all over begin to bring all this money in and they began to donate so that he could save his house and save his business. It's a wonderful thing. And I love that story because I've always thought, man, uh, it'd be so neat. I, I've always wondered if I would have friends like that in a time of need. Amen. You ever wonder if you're in a desperate spot? Would anybody step up? I mean, you really do. Now, I got to tell you, I don't want to be in that stop to try to find out. So I don't want to be there. But another thought came to me, and that's this. Would I be one of those people that would help my friend? So I don't want to preach today about being in that spot. But I do want to talk about a story in Mark chapter 2. Would you be the type of friend that would step up and help somebody in a time of need? Would you be that guy? Not the one in need, but would you be the one to step up for somebody else? It's an important truth. It really is. I love this story in Mark chapter 2. I've titled this message, The Fab Four. The Fab Four. It's one of my favorite messages. Now, I'm not talking about the Beatles, for those of you that are old. Some of you already went there, and I'm going to help you real quick. Nada. And for the younger generation, I'm not talking about the Fantastic Four. Let that go, too. Okay? The Fab Four are unnamed individuals in a very classic story. But I want to look at it for a few minutes on this Sunday morning. Would you stand with me as we look at Mark chapter 2, as we take a look at the Fab Four. In Mark chapter 2, the Bible says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, and so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. That's the title, the Fab Four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed therein, wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in a spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them. And by the way, that ought to catch your attention. Jesus knows your thoughts. And they didn't say this out loud. He hears their thought process taking place, you know, and he's like, allow me to answer that. Oh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Yeah, he heard. And he goes in. He says, why reason you these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Aren't you glad he can do that? He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, and so much that they were all amazed. And look at this. 
and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I don't know about you, but don't you like seeing things you never saw before? I mean, I love that phrase. In other words, they said, man, we've never seen this. I hope we end our missions conference that way. Amen. I hope we end. Man, we've never had this happen before in our missions conference. That would be a great week. Uh, I tell you what, there's nothing more exciting than when God shows up. There's really not. Matter of fact, I tell you, if Jesus was speaking today, this place would be packed out. Uh, and it ought to be because people would say, man, I want to see Jesus and I want to hear from God. It's a wonderful thing. And, and I bet if he showed up, you'd see things you've never seen before. Never before. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of. But guess what? We don't have Jesus showing up to preach today, but we have him here today. Amen. And he's amongst us and he's moving in a special way. And I hope you open up your hearts to him today. I want to talk to you about this Fab Four because it's an exciting story to me. I don't know how it happened. We read in verse one there in Capernaum, Jesus is there again, which means he's been there before and he has. And he's done miracles there before. So he's back. Word has spread. He's in a house and people begin to show up. And I mean, it starts getting packed. As you read the beginning, matter of fact, the Bible says in verse one and two, the place was full. There was no more room in the house. And I mean, it's wall to wall people. You can then imagine the windows are open and people are outside, standing outside as well. Everybody wants to see. Everybody wants to part. Why? We've never seen anything like this before. I mean, we've heard of healings. We've heard of what God has done. But we want to see it with our own eyes. And there's an anticipation. There's an excitement. There's a joy that, by the way, ought to be with God's people every time they come into his house. Amen. I mean, God could show up. Something great could happen. You never know. I'm saying you never know. By the way, it's just a side note. You never know what God's going to do. Now, I, I, that's, I've been saved for a long time. Sometimes I come to church. It's a normal church service. It's a regular service. I mean, you got good singing and good preaching. You learn something and you walk away encouraged. But then there's those days. No, I mean, there's those days when your kids get saved. That ought to be different. Amen. You got a friend gets baptized. Whoa! Somebody gets healed. I mean, great things happen. Man, you ought to be in church. Why? You never know what's going to happen. God shows up, does something great. I don't want to miss it. No, I don't want to miss it. So they're there hearing and hopefully they'll see something that day. Of course they did. And it's a great day. But I want to talk about the story before it ever got there. Four guys. Four guys. I don't know how it happened. Somebody in the group says, hey, heard Jesus is in town. How about we go? And maybe someone else says, oh, yeah, man, that'd be cool. Let's get down there, man. I've always wanted to see Jesus. I heard he heals great things. And somebody else in the group says, hey, what about so-and-so? Who's so-and-so? I don't know. He's a guy with sick of palsy. He doesn't have a name either. A lot of no names, amen? So some guy with palsy, and we're going to call him Paul. Why? I just want to call him Paul. Is it biblical? I, I don't know. I'm just going to call him Paul, okay? Let it go, Brother Hall. I'm just going to call him Paul. So we call the guy Paul in the bed, and all of a sudden, Paul, someone says, hey, what up, Paul? Let's take him. Maybe Jesus will heal him. Amen. And the four go, that's a great plan. So they get together and they get like a little cot thing to carry him. And they put him on this gurney and they begin to carry him. And four guys begin marching down the street and they're going, man, it's going to be a great day. Maybe Paul gets healed today. That's a good day. And they come around the corner and then it's packed. Man, the house, Jesus, I mean, it is packed. And one of them goes, oh man, we're not going to get through there. Hey, hey, go down John Street. So they back up and they go down. Why is it John Street? I like the name John. It's a good name. And they go around the corner. They said, John Street. And they get there and oh, that's exciting. They're like, oh man, it's packed. And then they go around the other side and oh wait, the back door. There's always a back door, amen. We're gonna go through the back door. And they go there and man, they've now, I don't know how far they've traveled, how far they've walked. This guy, I don't know how big this guy is. I, I really don't. He could be little, he could be big. But if you've ever carried somebody, they're heavy. Yeah. Smallest among them, they're heavy folks. I'm gonna tell you right now. 
and you're getting tired now and you've now tried all these angles, you get to the back door, it's totally full. I'm going to tell you something right now. In most stories, it ends right here. And can I tell you, if that's me in the bed and my friends just tried every interest to get in and we're too late and we don't get in, I'm not mad, I'm not upset. Why? They gave it their best, amen? I mean, really, they tried everything they could. It's just not happening today. We might even say, well, it's probably not God's will today. Just going to go on our way. But someone in the group says, no, no, I'm not quitting. I like guys like that. Man, I'm not stopping. No, it's an obstacle and it's tough and there's things blocking our way. But no, we are taking Paul. He gets healed today. And someone in the group goes, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going through the roof. Now I'm going to help you real quick. I do a lot of preaching. I've been preaching for over 34 years. I don't know how many messages. It's a lot. I've been involved in a lot of services. Uh, it's what I do. I'm a preacher. So I'm used to a lot of things. If you get up and go use the restroom, that I'm used to that. If a kid starts crying, I'm used to that. If someone passes out, I'm used to that. If someone falls asleep, definitely used to that. I got it all down. Okay, we got it all covered. I mean, it really does, I, I really don't get that distracted. I mean, I see it. I see all the heads turn. I mean, we see those things, but I'll just be honest. I, I, I used to preach at youth camp at Sagmont, had the train. You know what I mean? That, uh, if you can preach through a train, you can preach through anything. You know what I mean? The train. But, but I got to tell you right now, if I'm preaching right now and someone starts tearing off the roof, that's going to get my attention. Sure. Well, it's going to change things. And if they start lowering a guy down, I, I'd probably stop in the service going, Brother Tyler, you got a situation happening right now. <laughs> Security! Security! I mean, really, I'm like, uh, so I can imagine everybody's like this and Jesus is preaching and all of a sudden you go. And Jesus stops and here comes this guy. Can you imagine the effort that would take? You got to get him to the roof. I mean, you're carrying him. I don't know if they put him on his back, someone's back. They're like, come on. Maybe the big guy took him up top. Now you got to tear up the roof. Who's paying for that? Amen. Now you have to have ropes. So, someone had to get ropes. Do you see all the work involved in this? See, we read a story in verse 5. We're like, eh, a couple guys picked up a friend, took him to Jesus. He gets healed. What's the big deal? Oh, it's a big deal. No, no, I, I, I need you to catch this. It's a pretty big deal. This wasn't a small event. And even though they're not named and he's not named, it's a big event taking place right now. And they lower this guy down and Jesus stopped. Oh, don't miss. I'll oh, take a look at this verse. I went through it really fast on purpose. I want to stop here for just a minute. And I look at this. Take a look at it. Verse five. When Jesus saw their faith. Mm, I love that phrase. When Jesus saw their faith. Now, don't, don't miss it. Do you know Jesus loves faith? Yes. You know, without faith, Hebrews 11, 6 says it's impossible to please God. Do you know you get saved by faith? By the way, if you're here today, you don't know you're going to heaven. I'm going to help you real quick. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. You don't get to heaven by being baptized at Fellowship Baptist Church. You don't get to heaven because your family goes to church. You don't get to heaven because you've been religious all your life or you've done good works and you give a lot and serve. No, 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 no. You get to heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And by faith, you accept his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's what saves men, women, boys and girls. That's what saves everybody. So we know that. But the beginning of, of everything is faith. I believe it's faith. Man, God loves faith. You can't even please God. Are you ready? Hebrews 11, 6, without faith. It is the essence of pleasing and making God happy. Woo! In other words, how do I make God happy? Faith! Man, we need faith, do we not? 
And I look at this and I go through the Bible and I see people that are here healed. And what did Jesus often say? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? And when they did, wait, wait, wait. What did he say? Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith. How many times have you read that? If you've read your Bible, I'm telling you, you read it a lot. And over and over, he emphasizes your faith made you whole. Your faith made you whole. Your faith made. Now, right here, he says their faith. Well, uh, breaks. That's a different scenario. No, 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 no. Let me put it in context. All the healings we see up to this point. They're healed. Because they believe. And now Jesus turns the tide and it's not the first time. You see Jairus' daughter. The ruler comes and Jesus heals her because of Jairus' faith. Probably my favorite is that leader, that Roman centurion. Remember that one? I love that story. It's got a phrase in there called great faith. One of my favorite messages of all time. Great faith. And he sees this Roman centurion. He's got a servant and he so cares for his servant he sends some messengers to Jesus and say, come heal my servant. Remember that? Oh, that's a great story. They, get, they start going there and say, hey, he's a good man. Please come and heal. But as Jesus is heading that way, some more people come and say, never mind, don't go. Why? His attitude is this. I'm not worthy for you to even step into my house. This is a leader in the community, a Roman centurion. He says, matter of fact, oh, I love this. If you'll just speak the word. Speak. The word. speak I just speak. Only. Nobody says that. No, don't come and touch and heal. And, and, and No, you just speak and I believe my servant will be healed. Why? Because he believed. And Jesus said this, I have not seen such great faith. Ugh, that's good stuff. In other words, the servant wasn't healed because of his faith. The centurion's faith. Jairus' daughter wasn't healed because of her faith. It was Jairus' faith. And can I tell you today? A palsy man, who we're calling Paul. Was it healed because he had faith, our knowledge? Jesus looked at four no names and said, thy faith, your faith. Because of your faith, I will heal that person. Wow. Don't you understand, folks? You're here most likely today because you have faith. Do you know why other people aren't here today? They don't have faith. And I want to share with you something so important today. I believe, first of all, we can't save anybody. Now, I, I don't have the power to save anybody, but Jesus saves. No, I, I don't. I don't have the power to, to save anybody in any way. No, don't, don't misunderstand the message. But are you ready? But there are people around you and they've lost their faith or they have no faith at all. Some of you have children that aren't in church anymore. They're away from God. They ran away from God. and They grew up in church, maybe Fellowship Baptist Church. And they're no longer in the house of God. And you're praying for them day after day after day. And maybe you're a grandparent praying for your kids, your grandkids. Can I tell you? Don't stop. Why? God just might save them or change them. Are you ready? Because of your faith. No, no, they may not be ready and they may not be pursuing God and chasing God. But a story like this excites me for this reason. What? We can make a difference with our faith. I can change somebody else's life who does not believe, who does not have faith, who does not pursue God. I, John Marlowe, can make an impact. Why? If I'll believe for them. Woo! I can't get saved for them. But I can so introduce God that God's spirit begins to work in their life. And God begins to answer my prayer for them. And I think of this all the time. And I work with parents all the time that have wayward kids. And they're always saying, preacher, what do I do? And I'm like, be faith for them. I love the story of Job. You go to Job chapter one, talks about his sons and daughters. And I love the illustration there. When the sons and daughters were done having a picnic, barbecue, cookout. The Bible says Job would, that next day, are you ready? 
he would get up and go sacrifice for every one of his children. Are you ready? You read it. He says, just in case they sinned. They weren't praying. <laughs> they weren't sacrificing. Job's like, just in case one of my kids sinned. Are you ready? He says, I'm going to be faithful for them. I'm like, Pfft. it's mind boggling. Do you not understand the power God gives you with faith? Not just for you. And we always apply it to ourselves. And by the way, you should because it works. God honors faith. No, God honors your faith in your life. But here's something he shows us here in verse five. Because of their faith, he also honors your faith in somebody else's life. You have a loved one that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Let me help you. Be faith for them. Again, you can't save them. But when they're wandering and they're in wickedness and they're in sin, you, you be the one that prays for them every day. You be the one that reaches out to them. You be the one that stands in the gap for them and mediates and says, oh God, bless them, protect them, watch over them. Bring them back to you. Why? God, honor my faith. Many a young man, young woman has come back to God because grandma never quit praying. Don't you love that? I love grandmas. Grandmas are wonderful. They'll pinch your cheek and not in a nice way. They'll thump you on the head and They'll say stuff no one else will stay, but you'll take it. You know why? You know they love you. I'm like, you need to be in church. Oh, here it comes again. Jesus loves you. Here we go again. We have those old grandmas in our church. And I, when I was younger, I'll admit sometimes like, oh, they're so religiously fanatics. I'm like, oh, gosh. When one of our ladies, she would put tracks in beer cans at Walmart. I never knew that until a guy called. He says, I'll tell you what. You quit putting track, tracks in the beer cans and I won't throw my cans on your lawn. <sighs> and I'm like, who's doing that? I went, ah, Georgine. <sighs> Georgine. A weird church lady going around. But you know, I wonder, I wonder how many of those tracks planted seeds in somebody's life. So we make fun of people like that. We make fun of those weird old church ladies in the church. Passing out tracks, always inviting people, telling people about Jesus. Can I tell you? Praise God we have them. You know why? They're standing in the gap for people and they've been so used to it. And they said, I'll be faithful for you. Oh, oh, man. I thought about that and I thought, this is a missions conference. You're going to send Brother Martinez to Boulder. They don't believe in Boulder. They're agnostic, atheist, wicked people that do not know God. They won't have a congregation like this when they start in Boulder. If they get a congregation like this in 50 years, they'll be the hero. They'll be writing books. You say, why? No, no, you don't understand. There's not people lining up going, we're getting a church in Boulder. Praise Jesus. No, they'll probably be more apt to be attacked, picketed, uh, seriously, mocked. Well, then why would we send them? So glad you asked. Somebody has to be the four that picks up the ones that don't believe and don't understand and carry the gospel to them. And I'm telling you, your missions conference is basically this. You're becoming faith for every one of your missionaries you support. And you're sending them to places that don't even know they need God and don't even want God. And you can get this attitude saying, no, no, let's just send them to the Philippines. People, a thousand people getting saved in the Philippines. Oh, Mexico. Everyone's getting saved in Mexico, Africa. Oh, everyone. Really? No, 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 no. We've been called to be faith for other people. And in liberal Kansas, it's time that you and I decide this. I'm going to find somebody and I'm going to start praying for somebody, my family or friend that's away from God. And if they don't believe, I'll be faith until they get faith.
I'll, I'll intervene for them and I'll believe for them and, and until they can come to a point where God illuminates their mind and they turn to God. And then I'm going to send missionaries out and we're going to be like the unnamed four. We're going to join with the other churches. We're going to support these people. No, wait a minute. And we're going to send them to South Africa and Boulder and all around the world. Now listen to me. The places that don't even know God or want God and we will be faith for them. And every time you give and every time you get involved in this, I'm serious. It's a bigger picture. It's a bigger picture. Because the Bible says they were astonished. I'm convinced when we get to heaven, I plan on being astonished. I have no idea what our investment and involvement in local and foreign missions does. Are you ready? I believe in it. I believe in it. I believe in it because it saved my family. Yeah, changed my family. I believe in it. I believe it because I've watched it go around the world into some of the darkest places you'd think there'd be no fruit and people get saved and lives get changed. Are you ready? And they didn't even believe. How did it happen? Somebody else believed. Somebody else believed. I love that. There's a segue to this, though, when I come to a message like this that I, that I can't ignore as well. It's so important that we keep our faith and stay strong. Can I tell you why? Because if you don't keep your faith and stay strong, then who's going to be faith for others? So look at this passage real quick. I need you to see something. It's just a little segue, but it's an important one. Jesus begins to talk, and there's always those doubters in the group. Hmm. Can I help you real quick? Don't be the doubter. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm looking at the back rows. I warned you I was coming for you. That group right there, I said, I'm coming for you. But yeah, there's always, you know, you got the Pharisees there. They made their way into the room and you know, religious leaders are, and they're in the back and they don't say anything. But in their mind, they're going, oh, who does he think he is, God? Uh, actually, yeah. That's exactly, exactly what it's about. He's like, yeah. But their thoughts are, oh, this is so bad. I mean, this is so horrible. What's he doing healing this person and forgiving their sins and all this kind of stuff? And every time I think about that, I always think of people in the church that they think it's their mission to be the negative person. You're on the wrong side. If you're the negative Nelly, that's always got a critical spirit. The only people that you line up with are Pharisees and Sadducees who Jesus ripped up all the time. Don't be that group. I don't believe. I don't believe. Guess what? You ought to believe. But here's why you got to keep your faith. I'm going to help you to keep your faith here and the importance of it. Look what he says to this man in verse 5 again. When he saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Okay. Now this, if, you, if you'll stay with me for just a minute, I'm going to show you how this connects. We love in the book of Luke, you remember the blind man that was healed? If you remember the blind man that was healed, there was a question that was asked by disciples. It said, who sinned, him or his parents? From this section, young people, we all know it was our parents. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I blame my parents for everything. I got diverticulitis. My mom has it. It's her fault. No, I told her. I've already had surgery and I blame her 100%. Why? It's my mom's fault. You say that's mean. Just deal with it. Okay. That was obviously my, in other words, we inherit things from our family. Yeah, we do. You know, there's certain things that I, I inherited diverticulitis. I inherited good looks. I inherited some, that wasn't meant to be funny. I don't know why you guys are laughing. That was a... <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? We do. We inherit kind of all kinds of things. And we know the medical side of that. And we know how that kind of passes down. 
Can I tell you what else passes down? Sins. No sins do. We all have what we call besetting sins. But when I look at this in that passage, he said, who sinned? Your parents or you? And Jesus' reply was, neither. I love that. You mean bad things can be happening in my life and it's not my fault? Bingo. And for the last 10 years, I've heard message after message on this. And we get so excited. And you ought to. Woo, it's not my fault. I've got cancer. It's not my fault. That's true. I've got this happening. Not my fault. Man, that's true. The, oh, man. It's not, oh, this is good. Yeah. But we forgot about the other part. And this kind of brought it out. Jesus didn't just say, hey, you're healed. He said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Why? Because there was some sin that caused the palsy. What was it? I have no earthly idea. But there... Folks, there was a sin that caused the palsy. You know what often we forget about in our own Christian life? We have faith, we get saved. And I got to tell you something. There are some things happening in your life today that are because you've chosen wrong. I don't want to be mean, but why do we get mad at God if I drink all my life and I have liver failure? Why, God? Why? Why? Stop drinking, stop drinking, stop drinking. No, I'm not, I'm not being mean. You know, my family drinks. I, I got you, but why would I be mad at God for that? I'm not, this isn't even messing with that. Or if you smoke. I mean, 60 years ago, we didn't know what smoking did. Everybody smoked. I mean, preachers smoked, for goodness sake. And now you get lung cancer and, you know, your esophagus and everything. And I'm not trying to be mean, but like, oh, God, why did you do this to me? I don't think that was God. I mean, no offense. It was a choice we made. Now, let's apply that to a wide variety of sins in the Word of God. Don't miss this. This man was sick and he needed God, he needed to be healed. But he had done something because Jesus didn't say, well, it's not your fault. You had palsy from birth. He didn't say that. Whatever he did, there was a sin. And don't miss the connection here. Are you ready? And he had to be forgiven. Christians, can I help you real quick? You know, the only way that we're going to be faithful for somebody else is if we keep our faith strong. And I'm going to help you real quick. You are a wicked sinner. And so am I. And if you don't keep yourself clean and you're constantly forgiving your sins, not only will you lose faith, but are you ready? What about everybody else? How in the world are we going to have faith for the world, for our friends and our neighbors if we lose our own faith? I'm going to tell you how you keep your faith up. Are you ready? You keep yourself clean. Keep yourself clean. Will you get dirty? Yeah. Yeah. I got a truck. I like my new truck. And I park it on the side of my house and I have birds. I hate birds. Oh, gosh, I hate them. Sometimes I pull a truck in, but now it's summertime and the one covered area that we have, I got chairs set up there. And you say, well, build an awning. The city won't let me. Some dumb rule got to be six foot away from your neighbor's house. My neighbor's my son. He said it's okay, but the city said, nope. Pray for them. They're wicked people. <laughs> so now my nice shiny truck, every single week, I arrange it in different places, and there are some birds up there going, I got this one, buddy. <laughs> and I come out in the morning, and every couple days, it's... <laughs> you know, they won't even let me use a shotgun to kill them in town. There's a wicked system set up, I'm going to tell you right now. And I got one or two choices. 
They won't let me kill them. I can't do an awning, so I either leave it or clean it. Do you think I'm leaving bird poop on my truck? No, I don't even like when bugs hit my windshield. You know, every week I have to clean off my truck. Every week I get in my material truck that will one day die. And I take it to the car wash and I put $2 in and go, I hate birds. And I do say that every time in case you're wondering. If it's not verbal, it is thought very strongly. And God's like, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, shh. <laughs> and all it reminds me of this is, uh, I'm a preacher, and uh, I know you think we're perfect, and I'd like to say yes, but we're human. Sometimes I have bad thoughts, get angry. I don't want to give you the rest of the list, because some of you are gossipers, and you'll tell everybody. But anyways, <laughs> sure, besetting sin, I just want to give you my list. Um, but can I tell you now listen if you let that build up and you let that build up what you don't understand is the number one thing affected are you ready is your faith you don't lose your salvation and you don't go to hell you can't lose salvation it's not that you don't love God no, but I'm telling you you become very intrinsic and selfish and not only do you not have faith for you you quit praying the way you should but then who's helping your sons your daughters your parents your friends, and the missionaries. Because folks, God doesn't just honor your faith. Are you ready? He honors their faith. The fact of the matter is, you can make a phenomenal difference in somebody else's life. But to do it, you must have faith. Oh, would to God we'd be like the four. And there's some people here at Liberal Baptist Church, a Fellowship Baptist Church in Liberal, Kansas, and they'd be one of the four taken. You don't have to know my name, but I'm going to be part of the group that says, I'm going to go find people and friends and neighbors and family members that are sick. We're going to put them on a cot. And when it gets difficult, we're not stopping. We're not quitting. Our faith will continue on. We will find a way to help this person. Why? Because God can heal. Oh, would to God, you get that burden. And I pray that even right now, the Holy Spirit would put someone on your mind that you know, even as Brother Tice said, whether it be a fatherless or just someone in your family that you can say, oh God, may I be faith for them and keep my faith strong. Why? Not just for me, not just for my selfish endeavors, but that they might come to God. And then in a missions conference, can we go one step farther before we close? Just one step I'm asking for you. Could we be like the four that says this? Every single year, we're picking up, and it may be like a missionary, and we're picking up, and we're carrying them, and we're carrying on for them, and they're going to difficult fields, and we're going to give, why? So that they can take the gospel to that field. And if one gets saved, can I remind you of the sermons this week? What is the price of a soul? The value of the soul is priceless. priceless. You have no idea if that one soul could literally reach hundreds and thousands. We judge all the time. I've seen ministries have all kinds of people saved. You're like, man, they're doing so good. And this little guy over here has two or three people saved. But you follow that 30 years later, and the person that person led to the Lord does way more than the church that was seeing 10 people a week saved. You have no idea what God can do. But we know this, he can do. He can do. So today, faith promise. You give by faith. But how do you give if you don't have faith? How do you give if your faith is weak? How do you do that? Why and how do you sacrifice to send missionaries, or even would you, if your faith isn't where it needs to be today? So my challenge to Fellowship Baptists is this. Where's your faith?
Where's your faith? It needs to grow. It needs to grow. If you're not saved, it needs to begin. If you're saved, it needs to grow. And secondly, would to God that we could start being faith for others. And quit just thinking about what we need and put in the work and effort that somebody else may find our Jesus. Amen. So I'm asking you to pray about your faith and I'm asking you to pray about the faith of somebody else that doesn't believe at work and at home and around the world. And you say, oh God, oh God, allow me to have faith for them and reach them, reach them. Let's stand. Lord, we come.